Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 321. Today, we're finishing up our series on student success stories here within the Speaker Lab. And today, we're going to be talking with an amazing guy who I'm actually delighted to have back on the podcast for his second appearance. We're going to be talking with Mr. Chris Field today. Chris is a really neat guy. He's doing some amazing things out in the world. He runs a really impactful nonprofit. He's broken Guinness World Records. He actually ran for mayor at the age of 18, which is uh, still kind of mind-blowing to me. So just a, a really fascinating fascinating guy. But the reason I wanted to have Chris on was to talk specifically about his transition over the last few years from speaking for free or basically free to booking gigs these days for significant speaking fees. In fact, you're going to hear him share one story about a gig he agreed to do for a small fee a couple of years back that he now knows he could have charged at least 20 times more for based on the client and the event in that particular circumstance. So what gave him the confidence to start charging what he was worth? And why does he feel like the plan that we worked with him on here at the Speak Lab was the missing piece to his puzzle in building a speaking career. I'm going to let Chris explain that because he can say it better than I can. So let's get right to it. It's been almost four years since he was on the last podcast. Happy to have him back. Please enjoy this conversation with Chris Field. What's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are talking today with Chris Field, and Chris was actually on uh, way back in episode 123, which has been a few years now. And so uh, at the time, I know that, that, Chris, you were still trying to figure out, like, I want to be a speaker. I don't know what I don't know. I remember we had just a, I think if I remember correctly, we had just a good coaching call. Yeah. And I was like, man, can we just put this on the podcast? You cool with that? And so I think yep. we, we took that call and turned it into a, a podcast episode. And so since that episode, again, way back in 123, would encourage people to go back and listen to that for a little bit more backstory. Uh, you've seen significant uh, growth and results in your speaking business today. So excited to, uh, to get into that. So uh, Chris, first of all, why don't you give us a quick snapshot of today as it sits. Uh, how much speaking are you doing? Who are you speaking to? What, uh, what are you speaking about? What's the problem that you're solving and how does speaking fit into your, your overall business? Yeah. So, you know, we've got the pre-COVID, post-COVID sort of numbers, <laughs> right, right? right? So, in 2020, I had 19 uh, live gigs booked, ended up having several of those canceled, of course. Uh, that was up from about nine in 20, uh, sorry, that was 2020. I had 19 gigs booked, nine booked in 2019, and I just did my first paid speaking gig in 2018, September of 2018. So I think I signed up for uh, the Speaker Lab Elite program right around that time, I mean, maybe in, uh, you know, early on in 2018 and worked the program. And so now, you know, I'm in a place, I'm speaking mostly to associations and nonprofits. That's my background is, is nonprofits. So 
10 years ago, this September 1st, I founded a nonprofit doing anti-child trafficking work in Ghana, Africa called Mercy Project. And we've rescued 170 children out of human trafficking and reunited them back into their families over the last wow. 10 years. And so, you know, that's really my, that's my heart. That's my love is that nonprofit. But of course, in that nonprofit, there's dozens of stories and, and lessons and and what that nonprofit really did for me, I didn't have a name for it, but it gave me a sense of purpose and it allowed me to, the title of my book, Disrupt for Good. And so that's primarily what I'm speaking on is this idea of challenging complacency and empowering audiences to disrupt for good. And, and that message really is, obviously it's timely for nonprofits because it's very encouraging that you know, what you're doing today really matters. And, and, you know, you're on this journey and you won't always see the results, but here's, you know, here's the impact. But, but even for associations and I've done some corporate, you know, gigs as well is, is that the idea is really every one of us has the capacity to disrupt for good. I mean, we all have those things that we wish were different or we wish were better on a global, national, local, and then in our home scale, and we have to make the intentional decision uh, that we're the we're the we're disruptors. We're all capable of disrupting, you know. And it's not a bad it's not a bad word. Uh, disruption is usually yeah. you know thought of as negative, but it's neutral. To disrupt is to stop the normal progress of something. And so, you know, what I say to the audience is, "Hey, I bet there's something right now that's been normalized in your life that you wish weren't like it is, or in your business, or in your industry." Well, you know, at some point you got to decide, are you going to do something about that? Or are you just going to keep saying, gosh, I sure wish somebody would dot, 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 you know? Um, right. So that's, uh, did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm curious, like, how are you balancing? Because it sounds like the, you know, the nonprofit, obviously you've done some some significant work and tremendous work with that. How much of that, uh, how much of your time is dedicated to the, the nonprofit and all that goes into that versus the speaking? Are you are, is speaking and the nonprofit kind of hand in hand? Are you using one to promote the other? Uh, so how, how, how are you kind of spending your time today between the speaking and the nonprofit? Yeah, so I, I have some other ventures as well. In addition to those two things, I'm very entrepreneurial and just love I love doing new stuff. Uh, I actually teach a business class at Texas A&M University here in oh, cool. College Station where I live. I'm about to start my 11th semester of teaching a class called Using Business to Solve Social Problems. Very cool. And that's fun for a lot of reasons, but one is that I've never taken a business class in my life and I'm <laughs> teaching a business class at one of the top uh, public universities in the country. So. Yeah. You know, I think for me, the, the balance of Mercy Project and my speaking business, I mean, they do go hand in hand. You know, in, in 2020, when I had 19 events booked, you know, I was slated to speak to something like 15,000 people across those 19 events. And none of those people have ever heard of Mercy Project. And yeah. so for me to get up on a stage and you know this, uh, you know, you're the expert in the room when you stand on that stage. There's an expectation you have some knowledge or some ability to communicate to them that's going to be new and different than what they could find from anybody else. And so when you've got this person, it's perceived as an expert and they can tell a part of their story is about going and rescuing children out of slavery just because they made that decision to, to be a person of change. You know, all of a sudden there's this interest in participating in Mercy Project. So 
I don't sell Mercy Project from the stage. It's a small part of my speech because it's such a huge part of my life. Totally. Um, but we absolutely, we get child sponsorships out of it. You know, we get corporations and groups that want to be a part of it. Just random people in the crowd that, you know, they want to know how they can help. So, you know, they do fit hand in hand. And I'm very fortunate that I have a board that very much understands that my ability to go and speak not only lessens some of the financial needs I would have with Mercy Projects, mm-hmm. but it also, I mean, it's the front porch of Mercy Projects. You know, it's, it's yeah. a, there's no way we could reach 15,000 new people every single year. And not only do we not have to pay for it, we actually, I get paid for it, which means, you know, I haven't taken a, a raise from the, uh, you know, nonprofit in like four or five years uh, yeah. because I've got these other opportunities to, you know, to be able to, take care of my family. I've got four young kids. So, you know, I couldn't just do Mercy Project probably financially. And so it's really turned out to be a win-win all around. So you mentioned that you've been doing the nonprofit for about 10 years or so. Uh, And so prior to speaking, you mentioned like you just started really getting into speaking within the past three years or so. And so prior to that, you'd never done, never done a gig. Um, Is that, was that accurate? Not paid gigs. So I was doing a ton of speaking about Mercy Project. Like okay. I estimate that I probably spoke a hundred times about Mercy Project and I have two degrees in homiletics or preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I preached for a year and a half at a church, you know, twice a week. So I'm no stranger to, to public speaking, obviously. And even from a young age, it was always something I was very talented in and, and felt very comfortable doing, but it was making that switch, which is what we had the coaching call on way back when was, I have all these really interesting life experiences. I've broken Guinness world records. I also started a marathon here in college station. I've run 25 marathon. You know, I've done all this cool stuff. How do I synthesize that into a message that will actually be valuable to an audience? And so, you know, all of those things have played into that, but no, I hadn't been paid to speak uh, until September of 2018. And then again, before COVID, you know, I had 19 gigs in 2020, all, all in person, you know, and it was going to be probably 75 to a hundred thousand in, in speaking income is about where it would have landed. That's awesome. So you have done a lot of speaking already uh, in various capacities and it kind of sounds like, you know, I, I remember how, and I've used this line before when, when I got started speaking, you know, I came from a, a church background and had done some speaking and I'd done a lot of free things. And I, I felt like I was a decent speaker. I knew I wasn't the world's best speaker by any means, sure. but I felt like there was something there. And so I always felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan, had yeah. the potential, but I needed the plan. I, I would see other speakers and be like, I can do that. You know, like, um, just knowing, like, just someone tell me how to, how, what to do, you know, and yeah. how do you actually go about, you know, charging for something or are all speakers just, you just do it out of the goodness of your heart forever and ever and ever. So how did you start to realize, like, maybe paid speaking is a viable option for me and I've been doing all these free things, but like paid could be a thing. So how did you, like, where do you go from there to figure out what your next steps would be? Yeah. So I think, you know, I started wondering that just a few years into the nonprofit when I was giving all these free, you know, speeches, most of them were fundraising speeches or, you know, marketing speeches telling the story about Mercy Project. But then people would come up to me and say, you're one of the most talented speakers I've ever heard. Like, do you do these other kind of events? And it was like, I mean, I will, but not really. And you know, and then part of it, honestly, you kind of get, ta- I know it sounds bad and people, I hope people understand what I'm saying. You kind of get taken advantage of when you don't have a plan because people are like, Hey, you're awesome. Would you come do this event? And, and I remember I did this one. I won't say what it was, 
But I mean, I drove to Dallas, which is about three hour drive for me. And now I look back and it was an association of events, an annual association conference. You know, there's probably 300 people in the room. I killed it. I mean, I did a great job. Everything they wanted me to do. I think they paid me like 250 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, you know, now that's the kind of speech that if they brought me in, you know, it easily be a $5,000 or $7,500 speech. I'm just like, really? You know, but, but I didn't know any better to say, hey, sure. I do speak, you know, and my fee is this much, you know? And yeah. so I think I, I knew that if I was going to do this, I wanted to have a plan, like you said, but I had no, I had nowhere to start. I had no sense of where that would be. And that's where the speaker lab, you know, was so huge for me was I had a story and I had a gift of speaking. What I didn't have was how do I take that to the market in a way that actually gets me booked? Because the truth is there's a million people with stories and a lot of them have no interest in public speaking. And then there's also a whole lot of people that are talented communicators, but they have no interest in public speaking. And you really need to combine three things. You need to have a story, you need to have an ability to tell that story well, and you need to be able to have a plan. And so I had the two, I had the story and I had the ability to communicate, but I didn't have the plan. And so I didn't want to spend five years, you know, muddling through that. And so I, you know, signed up for the, the elite program with the speaker lab and basically took everything that I learned there, put it into a process, you know, and I put my own spin on a lot of it, just like you probably would do if you took it now, or just like everybody should do. And, you know, I've, I've seen massive success with uh, partnering with a virtual assistant. And, you know, I know a lot of the program is not necessarily, you know, if you can find warm leads, that's great. But I really wanted to speed up my, my process. And so, you know, I've used virtual assistant to build out a list of events and, and conferences. And, you know, I was cold emailing 500 events a month or something asinine. And of course, I was getting a terrible return on percentage of who was emailing me back, but I didn't need all of them to email me back. I needed one to email me back, you know, and, (laughs) and I was getting five that would email me back and three that could afford me and one or two that would book me. And that's how I went from zero to 19 in in two years, you know? And so, but I wouldn't have known how to do any of that or, or the process or how to price myself or even the positioning statement. I mean, all of that really catapulted me from hey, I have a story. I should be talking about this. I wonder if people would pay me to having the confidence with a website and a demo reel and, and a process of saying, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I talk about. And, you know, I'd love to come and speak to your event. So that's kind of how I got from A to B or really from A to D. Yeah. yeah. Hey, friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. 
Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. So I'm curious if we go back to, you mentioned like one of the key pieces you felt like you really needed was, was a story. How did you land on what your story was? Now, obviously you, like you've done a lot of work with a nonprofit, but it's been a second since we had the episode 123. So I, uh, we, we'd have to go back and re-listen to that one. But do you, do you recall just trying to figure out like, cause this is the biggest challenge for so many speakers, especially in the early stages is who do I speak to and what do I speak about? And just because like you have a cool story or just because like, you know, you run a nonprofit or just because fill in the blank thing doesn't mean people are willing to hire you or that it solves any problem. You know, you, you right. can, you know, there's so many people who uh, I've overcome something or I've experienced something or here's something cool that I've done or here's something kind of fascinating. And like that, you know, that's okay. But you know, people still are looking for speakers that can help solve problems. And so how did you land on or make the transition from, I have a cool story to here's how I can actually help your audience. And this is a need that audiences and events have. And they're actually looking for speakers to talk about that. Yeah, so that all kind of came together pretty closely, coincided with my writing my book, Disrupting for Good. And, and that really was me realizing like, oh, I've been a disruptor my whole life. You know, from the time I ran for mayor of my hometown when I was 19 to getting hired to direct a camp for inner city kids when I was 19 to, you know, these things that I've done along the way, starting Mercy Project, starting the BCS Marathon, which is now the highest ranked marathon in the state of Texas. I mean, all these things I did, they felt random to me. But, but then when I looked back, I was like, no, they all fall under an umbrella. And that is, I was always choosing to disrupt for good. If I saw something that needed to be done, I stepped into the gap and I did it. And so I've got years and years of years. It wasn't just Mercy Project. I would have never had the courage to start Mercy Project if I hadn't done all these things, you know, leading yeah. up to Mercy Project. And so, so the story was really not just about Mercy Project. It was about be, choosing to be a disruptor for good. And so once I kind of landed on, okay, that's, my, that's who I am. I am a disruptor. And so the call to action for everybody I'm speaking to is, hey, let's disrupt for good together. Like your industry, your nonprofit, your city, your country, whatever, it needs to be disrupted. So I've probably been more of a generalist than your program would suggest. And, and that is probably in some ways been to my demise. I really, I really do think. I think it's probably, it's going to turn out fine, but I've probably sure. rode harder than I needed to at times um, because I always felt like, but this message is for everybody. You know, like everybody has uncomfortable truths and everybody yeah. has things that need to be disrupted for good. And I think that's right. But I think where the, the slow going was that I had to break into about 15 different circles and instead of breaking into one and then going way into it, I did all that hard work of breaking into 15 yeah. <laughs> different circles. And so, you know, I probably could have gotten more gigs faster if I had just landed in, in one place, you know, and really focused. But now that I'm pretty well on the other side of it, it certainly will benefit me because I've got, you know, from banking associations to healthcare associations to hospitals to nonprofits. Now I have all these contacts, you know, I've done stuff. I mean, the boys and girls club, I started doing a, I did a breakout for them in Houston and then they brought me into Chicago to be a regional keynote. And then they brought me on their virtual national conference um, just in May. And so 
you know, I kind of, I did the stair step with them, you know, and that's a great relationship. And I actually worked at a boys and girls club in college. So they love that story, you know, that this is like one of us. And so, you know, so I think for me, Grant, it was really, what I would say to you is I think when somebody lands on their message, if they're clear on what problem they're solving, then they can look at those different associations, education, et cetera. And they can say, okay, if this is the problem I'm solving, how would I solve it for this specific group of people? And then I think they can really, you know, dig in. Like I haven't done a lot in education at this point, but I'm a part of a group right now that's going to be creating content starting August 24th for teachers across the country. Cause this is such a crazy year for teachers. Yeah. Right. And so I teamed up with this group of educational consultants and I, I pitched them this idea. I'm like, hey, man, let's go to these all these teachers that are going to be doing amazing work and let's drop them a 60-second virtual hug every single morning all year round. And, and it's never more than a minute. And we, have, you know, we launched it publicly on Monday and we have 1,200 teachers who signed up to receive it. And so that's going to open up a ton of opportunity for me in the education space because you know, nobody knows Chris Field in education. And now thousands of teachers are going to see my face and hear my motivating messages once a week, all year round, you know? Yeah. So I hope that answers your question. But, but let me say, the reason I feel comfortable doing that is because I'm clear on my message. And right now, teachers are being disrupted. School is being disrupted. And so I'm saying, hey, let's use this for good. Yeah. Let's take this disruption and turn it into good when we think about fill in the blank, but that blank right now is schools, you know? Yeah. And so, so that's what I've, I think if you're really clear on that message and you really understand the problem you're solving, then you start looking at those buckets and say, okay, for this bucket, how would I solve, how does my problem help, how, sorry, how does my solution help that bucket solve a real problem? And then when you can tell that story well, you know, that's when they're compelled to hire you. Yeah. So you, so it sounds like you've gone um, uh, more broad than deep with any particular industry. And like you said, like you can certainly make it work. And then you kind of alluded to um, it's been a bit with brute force um, and may have been simpler or quicker, you know, a, a different route, but you've nonetheless made it work. So right. I'm curious, long-term, do you, do you want to just kind of focus on a single industry? Is it at this point, like I'm going to try a couple different things from the buffet and Hey, I really like working with this group and there's a lot of opportunities and I'm really going to double down here? Or do you prefer like, it's fun speaking to banking, but it's also fun speaking to, you know, potentially education, but it's also fun speaking to uh, associations or, you know, the healthcare industry. Is there any one that you're leaning into more so than another? I don't think so. I think that my fee, if I, if I continue following what I think is where I'm headed on my fee, I think that's going to self-select pretty hard for me Mm -hmm. because I am getting closer to $10,000 a gig than, than five. And so that's going to knock out the vast majority of educational stuff, nonprofit stuff. You know, I mean, I would honestly love to get to a point where I'm doing a one for one, where when a group brings me in, especially if it's corporate, that I ask them who their favorite charity in town is. And I also, while I'm there in that town, I go do a free speech for that, for that charity just because that is my heartbeat. And it's always, you know, just like you guys did the pencils for promise thing recently. Like, I mean, that's my heart is like, I, I, I really, I love helping people and I'm always looking for ways to, you know, to do that creatively. And so I think my fee is probably going to solve that a little bit, but I think what's cool about being in several industries is 
that you can go deeper in those industries. You know, like it, it, when one really resonates and when it really seems to, to be a message that, you know, there's a difference between giving a good speech and everybody tells you good speech afterwards. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference when there's a line of a hundred people waiting for you after the speech, right? Those are different. Yep. Yep. And the one with a hundred people waiting, that's when you get a sense that something you said in that speech really has the chance to be transformational with that group. And so I don't know how I would have found that in so quickly, you know, if I hadn't spoken across so many, you know, various industries. And so, you know, I do think there's certain spaces that disruption lends itself to like I'm doing done a fair amount of stuff in senior living right now, which I would have never in a million years yet. But it's a space, I mean, pre-COVID, it's a space that was really begging to be disrupted. And the the forward thinkers and senior living were seeing this shift where it was like, people aren't coming to, they wouldn't, they don't want to call them nursing homes. Okay. But that's what we're talking about. Yeah. That people don't want to come to nursing homes anymore to die. They're coming to nursing homes to live. Yeah. There was a big shift inside the industry. Well, so I didn't look for that. But when that first group found me and they're like, oh, disruption, we need, that's what we're trying to do in our industry. And I went and gave that first one. It was a national keynote at the National Senior Living Association Conference in Tampa. I mean, there was, there was 50 people, 75 people lined up. I got 25 emails the next day saying, hey, do you do any consulting? You know, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Like, this is what I've been telling my you know, colleagues for a year. And it was like, oh, maybe there's something here. And so then... From a sales perspective, I had my virtual assistant find everything that had to do with senior living in America and in Canada. And I yeah. said, hey, send them an email and say, I just did this national association event. You know, that gave me credibility right away. It went incredibly well. The woman who brought me in has been booking speakers for 50 years, almost 50 years. And her you know, first words to me when I walked off stage was, you're not charging enough. And I dropped all that into an email. And of course, you know, it, it, you know, it's self-fulfilling prophecy at that point, you know? So I would have never known that though, if I hadn't tried two, three, four, five, six different things. And so for me, it's worked, you know, it's, it's worked well. And I think I'll continue to go deeper, like you said. And I do think the challenge with not going deeper is that your speeches can be shallow. Mm -hmm. And so I think I have to fight that a lot, you know, to make sure I'm spending hours prepping for the speech and I'm not just walking in, giving the same speech to bankers as I gave to realtors, as I gave to fill in the blank, you know, nonprofit. And that requires more work on my, my end, but it also means I've gotten to do a lot more speeches than I probably would have been able to as quickly as I have. One of the things that we talk a lot about is that the speaking industry is very much a momentum business and it just, it just takes time. It's not, you know, it's, we use the analogy a lot of like you're planting something in the ground and you, you drop some seeds in there and you, you pour water on it, you make sure it's got enough light and like, you're not seeing anything, but that doesn't mean nothing's happening below the surface. And so I think it's really speaks to, you know, your own journey of, you know, uh, 2018, you had one gig, 2019, uh, nine gigs, 2020, 19 gigs. Uh, and how it, it, it just it takes time, but you've really built that, that momentum. So what would you say to that speaker who, uh, especially is in those early stages and is going, 
I'm planting a bunch of stuff. I'm not seeing anything happening. There's nothing sprouting up there. And like you mentioned, there'd be months where you'd email 500 contacts and hear back from a couple of them and just like, good Lord, like what am I doing? You know? So how did you not get discouraged? How do you not, even to this day, how do you not get discouraged, want to quit and just throw in the town and be like, man, I like speaking, but sheesh, like, is this even worth it? Yeah. I mean, I think the getting some of that early success helps that, right? Success kind of begets confidence and then you see the system is working. But you know, I would just remind anybody who's trying to build the speaking business, you know, if you go back to when I was 19 and got hired to run the camp for inner city kids and I was speaking every single night all summer long to 100 uh, inner city teenagers from across the state of Texas, talk about a tough audience. Um, from the time I was 19, you know, I didn't really, I got paid 2,500 bucks to do that speech in 2018. And I probably spoke 150 times in there. And I was practicing my craft. I was learning how to be a better communicator. I was learning how to engage the room. I was learning how to create energy when there was none. And so, you know, I would say, don't be too proud to keep getting your reps in while you're waiting for the paid stuff to come because there's people sitting in those rooms. There's still people that I will engage now that I speak more openly on social media about, Hey, I spoke at this event. Hey, I spoke at that mm-hmm. event, like on my own personal page. Somebody's like, Oh, I heard you speak six years ago at this youth you know, conference. I didn't know you were doing speaking out, you know, professionally, I'll definitely let my, you know, my cousin, my mom, my brother, you know, my boss, whatever, yeah. know. but I, they would have never, they would have just scrolled past that comment on my Facebook page if they had never seen me, you know, do those early reps. And so, you know, I, the, you know, you told me Grant early on the best marketing for a great speaker is a great speech. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating early on because you're, you're getting all the right words when you give those select speeches, people are fine. You know, Oh my gosh, that was incredible. And then you're like waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> right. Like, I thought y'all said that was incredible. You know, like, wait, where are all now? And it is, it is incredible, but you got to get those reps. And so, you know, I would say for the vast majority of us, myself included, don't be too proud to, to get on as many stages as you can to take those small fees early on, you know, to be really intentional about the stuff you accept. Even if, you know, I'll tell you this, I've done a couple gigs in the last 12 months that they didn't pay me my full fee and they refused to pay me my full fee. And I still made a very intentional decision to do them. One was a huge global brand that even I knew just being able to put it on my website mm-hmm. was going to be a benefit to me. And the other one was a group. I'm trying not to say exactly who it was, but basically it was a group that in the room was going to be 400 association uh, decision makers. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm betting on myself. Like if I can swing three of these people in the room to book me for their next association event, I come out way ahead on this deal. So even though I didn't want to not get paid and I was a little, I was the last one added to the program and they didn't have any budget left. I was like, it's, this is worth it for me. Like I'm betting on myself. If I have 400 decision makers sitting in a room, I'm going to crush this speech and I'm going to get, 10 of those people to hire me sometime in the next two or three years. And the, and the ones who don't hire me, I'm going to figure out a way to keep up with them so that in four, five, six years, they do hire me. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too proud to do that, right? Like I'm still, even though I'm getting paid 5,000, 7,500 up to, I, I've been paid $12,000 for one speech. And, you know, my last speech before COVID in person was a thousand hospital CEOs 
at a national uh, hospital uh, conference in Phoenix. And I'm still not proud, too proud to take a thousand dollar, you know, plus travel because I don't want to wait six years and have my pride, but not have any speaking gigs, you know? So for me, I'd rather have 40 speaking gigs a year and have given away a couple for free than to stay firm on my pricing and still only have 10, 10 gigs a year. How did you, uh, as you are, especially we go back a couple of years as you were going, okay, I want to start getting paid. I want to start taking this more seriously. I want to, I want to, I want to be a professional speaker. I want to treat this like a business. How did you first come across the speaker lab? Man, that's a great question, Grant. I think it was probably through a podcast. Honestly, I think I, I'm not a huge podcaster, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, I think I was searching for something around speaking and I knew when I wrote my book, you know, some people write and they, they're, they're writers first and then speakers second. I'm the yeah. opposite. I'm a speaker yeah. who needed a book for credibility, you know, and validation. And, and so I, you know, I think it was all in that time where I was like, okay, I want to take this seriously. And, you know, maybe saw something you had done on social media and then which led to a, a podcast. And so, you know, I saw that you guys had the exact sort of program that would take somebody with a story and with a gift of communicating and help them turn it into a plan. And, you know, that's what I would say. Like at the end of the day, if somebody asked me in one sentence, like, what did the speaker lab do to be helpful to you? It gave me a plan. I mean, that was, you know, at the end of the day, I needed a plan and a process and I needed the confidence to know that other people had worked the plan. That's what's so great about the fact that you were a speaker. You are a speaker is that this isn't, you're not a dude talking about speakers. You know, that's, that's why I love the, what's the name of that book that you sent? out when I first signed up the uh, confessions of a public speaker. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's so great about his book is it's like, no, like I went and did this, like, you know, I didn't study speaking. I spoke and then I wrote the book out of experience, you know? Uh, and, And I think that's what makes my disruption speech land with people is I'm not saying, Hey, you should go disrupt. I'm saying, Hey, I've spent my entire adult life disrupting and here's what I've learned. And here's why I think you are capable of disrupting too. There's just something about that credibility. It feels totally different. So yeah, I mean, the speaker lab just gave me a plan, gave me a process, it gave me confidence, it gave me tools I didn't have access to, I didn't know I even needed. And Mm -hmm. and then I took those and I, you know, poured gasoline on them as, you know, in the places where I knew I could ramp up and go faster, like a VA and using some of my own social media. You know, I, I have a business that does social media for small businesses. And so I've always kind of been ahead a little bit on social media. And so like now I have a public profile page on Facebook with 50,000, you know, followers. And so that's been a huge part of my growth, you know, as a thought leader and a you know yeah. speaker. So all that, though, you take you take those pieces and you you make them work, man. And that's why I mean, the system was huge for me. I wouldn't know half of what I learned if I was still trying to just learn it by Googling and you know, do it the cheap way. It just yeah. our time is worth something, and it's certainly worth it to have somebody show you exactly what to do. The blueprint. Yeah, it's cool to see. Like, uh, you know, so in the past, you know, couple of years or so, you've had uh, twenty nine gigs and counting, and and sounds like you've earned well over six figures and charging five thousand seventy five hundred up to twelve thousand dollars for a gig. So, uh, kudos to you. Like, we can show you the plan, but you got to execute. You got to do the work. And so, yeah. um, yeah, you you've absolutely executed on that. And so. Uh, really, really happy for you. So for someone who may be listening right now, who's again, kind of early in their career going like, uh, I just, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm trying to to build something and grow something. uh, What would you say to them? I would say that if they want to do this, that they can do it and it's going to be hard. And persistence is the not so secret sauce to transformation. And you know, the people who are really great at this, 
are going to show up every day. I think Eric is such a great example of this. They're going to show up every day and they're going to, they're going to grind, you know, and yeah. you know, it's what I love about running. I just ran my 25th marathon in March. And what I love about running is, you know, I run six days a week, 52 weeks out of the year. And I've never had one workout that caused me to blow a marathon. And I've never had one workout that meant I was going to nail a marathon. Every single workout is a piece of a puzzle. And if I look back on a training program of three, four, five, six months, and I showed up 90% of the days and I hit 90% of the workouts I was supposed to hit, I'm going to have a good marathon. And if I didn't, if I took shortcuts, if I wanted to stay in bed later, if I slept on workouts, you know, I kind of got them done, but didn't do them the way they were prescribed, probably not going to have a great race. It's, it's, there's nothing secret to it, you know, and I'm not a great, I'm not a super talented runner. Say I'm average talent, but, you know, I placed in the top 5% of the last marathon that I ran because for four years I've showed up almost every single day and I've worked really hard at running. Yeah. Because I love running and I love what it, it does something inside of me that makes me a better human being, a better person, a better husband, a better dad, a better yeah. businessman. So if, if somebody showed up with that kind of consistency in their speaking business, you know, or I'll, I'll give one more example, Mercy Project. From the day we started Mercy Project to the day we rescued our first child was almost 800 days. Wow. So for 800 days, I had to wake up every day and believe that if I put in the work that day, at some point, it was going to matter. There was going to yeah. be some child who was a slave working as a fisher boy or girl who was going to walk out of a village and be able to go home and go to school. I had to believe that for 800 days. And if I had stopped anywhere before day 800, 170 kids wouldn't be free right now. They wouldn't be back home in school. And, you know, that's some days suck. You know, some days you, you, you feel you get crushed. You take you don't take one step back. You take 15 steps back. And you just have to remember why you why you're doing what you're doing. You know, what, yeah. what, what's why did you want to speak in the first place? What was that story inside of you in the first place? And you know, I think this business weeds out the people who are in it for the money versus the people who are in it to create transformation for others uh, yeah. because it doesn't come fast. It certainly doesn't come easy. But if you care enough and you show up and do the hard work enough, then this will be really fulfilling. And I'm 37 and this is a business I can do for the next 40 years of my life. You know, that's yeah. what's beautiful about it is my story is constantly changing and evolving and I'm getting new opportunities and learning new things. And if I can continue to tell those in ways that solve other people's problems, there's no reason I can't do this as long as I want to. And there's not many businesses like that, you know, yeah. so it's, it's worth the hard work. Very true. Very well said. Chris, we appreciate the time, man. If people want to find out more about you and Mercy Project, where can we go? Yeah, so meetchrisfield.com is my speaker website. And on all the socials, I'm uh, at Disruption Chris. And then Mercy Project is just mercyproject.net. Very cool, man. We appreciate it. Grant, thanks, man. You're doing a good thing. Keep it up. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. 
All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.